0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, and Mortgage can help you get there for home loan solutions that fit your life. Rocket can. All right, uh, big game here. Two playoff teams from last year facing off in week number one. Will they be playoff teams again this year? We'll find out. Getting a Seattle perspective on the Seahawks-Colts opening game matchup is our uh, buddy hopping on with us, Curtis Crabtree. He's a Seattle Seahawks reporter for KJR, and he contributes for Pro Football Talk. Curtis, Jordy Mack here. Are you ready for some football?
2: Yeah, I think Thursday was a nice little appetizer for everybody out tonight.
1: Yes, uh, that Brady guy just seems to never get old. I don't. I I need to. I guess maybe I got to start taking that TB twelve. Uh, but uh, uh, he
2: might have a decent career in front of him. We'll see.
1: Yeah, a li- little bit. I think he's just adding to, his lengthening his lead in goat status. All right. Uh, let's talk about your squad, the Seahawks. A lot of activity. Off the field in non-activity for the Seahawks. The biggest story with the Seahawks this offseason has been hold-ins with Dwayne Brown and Quadre Diggs. They did get the Adams deal done. Let's talk about Brown first. Contract adjustments, not an extension. I saw his quotes, and he seems to be okay with it. Are you buying that uh, without an extension, he's perfectly fine and good to go week one?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Pete Carroll kind of indicated all throughout training camp that he expected him to be there for week one. And Dwayne Brown was doing literally everything with the team except for practices. So he was even doing their walkthroughs early on in the day. He was in all of the TVs. He just wasn't doing the higher speed practices. And so he was just trying to make sure to preserve himself while he tried to leverage a little bit more of a contract out of the team. And at one point during training camp for them, they had, I think, three or four tackles behind him sitting – out with injuries, too. So he had a little bit of leverage at that point. Like, you guys, you, you, you kind of need me right now. Um, but <laughs> a couple of those guys got back healthy, and he did get a little bit more some of the per-game roster bonuses. He just got in street signing bonus instead. So he got a little bit out of them. He wanted a contract beyond this year. And I think the Seahawks are amenable to doing that after the year, just not right now. So I think it's something they still feel like they can revisit if you have another solid season the result, you know, I'm
1: how does his situation compare to the one with Quandre Diggs, who also got a contract adju- adjustment, not a, uh, a renewal, not a not an extension? Um, I guess Brown's one got a little bit more pub, but the Diggs one seems to be just as important in the contribution they'll expect it to make this year. Uh, same same deal. He's OK with it. And it was a good compromise for both sides.
2: Yeah, I think that's one thing that you hear players talk about with Seattle's front office all the time is that they they are very direct and straightforward with the players with about the contracts and circumstances and everything to where they, they don't catch guys by surprise. So there's not a ton of hurt feelings there. Like everybody understands it's a business at the end of it, but like because they tell them and don't you know backhand them with some some offer or whatever like. They're straight with him about where they're, where they're seeing things, and I think that allows players to understand and process the circumstance and understand what the situation is. Diggs didn't get as much pub because he only held out for a week, and it was midway through training camp when he finally decided he wasn't going to practice for a little bit of a stretch to try to force the issue a little bit more. So Brown held out all of training camp, didn't return to practice until last week. Diggs only did it the very latter stages of camp, and I think that's why his didn't get quite as much pub. But very similar both to got a little bit more money guaranteed from and bonuses and stuff, but not the contract extensions that maybe we're hoping
1: for. Now, uh, Adam's got the new deal, the complete renegotiation, which uh, I thought was funny at the end. He commented that he got a couple little perks on the back end that finally got the deal done and get it compromised. The reason he got an extension and the other two weren't is because... He was the more needed player. Is the better overall player. Why do you think of the three guys who were hoping to get extensions, one got it done?
2: The, the Seahawks knew they were extending Jamal Adams when they made the trade for him last year. When you commit that much in draft capital to bring you guy in like Jamal Adams, like, you're going to have to cross that bridge. Like, that that was just really not a negotiable aspect for them when all was said and done. You, you committed to him a year ago, and now it was just a matter of come, the, the, the check was coming due. Um, so, you know, you can probably look at Jamal Adams' situation and say, is he truly worth being the highest-paid safety in the NFL? I don't know. You know, from a coverage standpoint, he might not be. He does give them some stuff intangibly, like his, his demeanor and the way he kind of rallies the locker room a little bit in the sideline that they really appreciate. He's a player that Pete Carroll absolutely loves, and if you have the win, if you can win over the head coach, that goes a long way. So I think that's part of the reason why Jamal Adams' situation was what it was. They committed to him last year, like I said, when they brought him in trade and sent two first-round picks back to the Jets and another, uh, I think, another third-round pick later and You commit that much draft capital; you're committing to the long term for that for a little bit. So. I think that's more of the situation there. Dwayne Brown's 36 years old. I don't think they want to commit a long-term contract extension to him because not everybody's going to be Andrew Whitworth and able to play at a decently high level until he's 39, 40 years old. Quandary Diggs is just a circumstance where I don't know if they can pay two safeties, that kind of money. So Understood. I think that's kind of where how how both of those sort of situations played out.
1: I understand. Uh, you told us about, and we're talking to Curtis Crabtree, Seahawks reporter for KJR in Seattle uh, he told us about the uh, good job that the Seahawks front office does in that they straight uh, shoot very straight with their players, and uh, the players appreciate that. And it was evidenced by the fact that they got all three guys that they had to get done and get happy and back in the lineup for game one done before they kick off against the Colts tomorrow. They didn't get K.J. Wright done, and it was a long offseason for Wright, and he didn't sign until just recently with the Raiders well into training camp before he got it done. Was there ever a chance that he was coming back if they're straight shooters? I guess their uh, negotiation was a little on the lowball side because he ended up only taking $5 million for the Raiders. Why isn't K.J. Wright back with the Seahawks?
2: there wasn't really a place for him to come back from the way that they were moving forward. So last year they drafted Jordan Brooks in the first round, a guy they are still really high on. And they want to give him the run next to Bobby Wagner now moving forward. He's kind of the future of the position that they see there. And so they already asked asked KJ Wright to move to their Sam linebacker spot, a position he doesn't love to play as much as the one next to Bobby Wagner off the ball. He made the compromise to do that, and he did it very, very well. Now, going into this year, that's going to be a role in this, in this defense that is going to be filled by Daryl Taylor, who was a second-round pick of theirs last season. And it's probably, as much as they're going to play nickel, it's probably going to be a role that's only 30% playing time, roundabout right about there. K.J. Wright's not going to be a backup. He's not going to play 30% of snaps after a decade here in Seattle. It's just one of those, like, the merits no longer made sense for either side anymore. And as much as Katie K.J. will keep living in Seattle after his career is done. He loves this place. He's got his roots set down here and all of that. I think mean, it was tough for him to leave because of that. But there really wasn't that much of a, an opportunity for him to come back this year, given the way that they were moving forward to position, turning over that uh, weak side spot to Jordan Brooks alongside Bobby Wagner. I, I don't even know if they made a two firm offer to bring him back because of that. Because it, along that way, like they're not going to make him an insulting offer because of his standing with the team and what he's done for him for a decade. It just doesn't seem like it made sense for either side anymore.
1: Fair enough. Uh, In some of these deals, the Seahawks did clear some salary cap room for this year, converting uh, salary to signing bonuses, which uh, if you spread out on the back end can clear some room. And that was the case. Is there anyone left out there on the open market that the Seahawks are looking at that they think can still help them signing at this later date?
2: Well, I I think there'd be two things to watch for in particular. They've made about six moves at cornerback since the latter stages of the training camp. You're turning that position over to where I still don't know that they feel great about the options that they have there. DJ Reed and Trey Flowers are going to be the starters for right now, but they trade away Akella Witherspoon, their one um, free agent signing a note at the position this offseason, bring in Sidney Jones and trade from Jacksonville, bring in John Reed and trade from Houston. Uh, claim Nigel Warrior off waivers from Baltimore and signed Wes Austin after he got cut from the Jets. So they've changed over a good chunk of the quarterback position. And if they're not completely set there, could they look to make a trade to add a little bit to that position? I could. I, I mean, they've already done it twice in the last three weeks. I could see them doing it again. <laughs> and then one other name to keep an eye on, just in case, is they had Tino Atkins in for a visit here a couple weeks back in a defensive tackle. Once you get beyond this week one threshold, where veteran salaries aren't guaranteed anymore. I think it's a possibility you could see them bring him in to pair with his former teammate and Carlos Dunlap, getting them back together along the defensive line and provide a little bit more up front for them. I'm not certain that they'll go that down that road, but I think there was a you know good visit from both sides, and then maybe there's something that comes of that here in the near future. And cap space isn't a bad thing to have either. I mean, they're going to have to do a few contracts with DK Metcalf, which is going to be very, very expensive at some point here in the near future. If it means they just end up rolling over some of that to help get that done a year from now, I think they'll be perfectly happy with that,
1: too. Make, makes a lot of sense. All right, you gave us a pretty good read on a couple of positions. I want to ask about another one, and that's running back. Uh, Carson was okay last year. Penny, of course, was hurt and missed a lot of time, and you're coming back with them as 1-2. Is that a nut? Any of the youngsters they have behind them, potential factors? How do you look at the Seahawks' running game to kick off the season?
2: I think they have a very solid depth chart at running back. Chris Carson is a very good back that doesn't get maybe as much pub around the league. Um, He he is an outstanding runner, good physical runner. Pete Carroll absolutely loves him. They probably should have used him more last year, all things considered. For for whatever reason, maybe it's because Rashad Penny wasn't healthy to spell him as much last year. They didn't do that so much. But then even beyond that, Alex Collins is back with Seattle and he has, he's had an outstanding camp for them. Um, you know he had that thousand yard season or so in Baltimore a few years back when he was first year. Seattle drafted Alex Collins when he was first here. He looked more like a plotting Eddie Lacy type because he was overweight. He thought he needed to get bigger to survive in the NFL, and he just became slow. And he's not that player anymore. He is so much quicker and more explosive now that he's back with the Seahawks. Now, I don't know that he's going to be a factor right out of the gates. I think it would probably take either Carson or Penny getting nicked up for Collins to truly get some run. I mean, it's a good, good depth option to have. And then D.J. Dallas and Travis Homer, a couple of the younger guys, will probably be more so their third-down backs in games and help them on special teams a little bit more. Um, but Carson is a very solid option for him to have. So I think they are very, very deep at the running back position, all things considered.
1: Fair enough. Um, they will be taking on the Colts tomorrow to get the season underway. Have they been prepping all along to face Carson Wentz? Have they doubled down on facing Carson Wentz? Full participant in practice, know about the foot surgery. Looked like he's not going to be ready for the start of the season, but now it looks like he is. Both he and his stud offensive lineman, Quentin Nelson, quick recoveries from foot surgery. Uh, so you're getting, uh, at least on paper, their best shot week one. Are they ready for Carson Wentz?
2: I think so. I mean, look, at the end of the day, like, what is Carson Wentz now? I don't know. Because right. if 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 he is what he was last year, he was statistically the worst starting quarterback in the NFL last season by a yep. good margin. If he's that guy, then I don't think the Seahawks need to be worried about the quarterback spot. And, and you know, I know um, you know, following Washington up here as well, Jacob Eason isn't somebody that they should be scared of either. Like he he's got a big arm, but that's about it. So whether it was him or Sam Ellinger or whoever ended up starting a quarterback for them, I don't think it's going to be somebody Seattle should be scared of unless Carson Wentz is suddenly back to his MVP form of 2017, and I have no idea if he's going to be that or not. So and it's not like they've got a ton of wide receivers out there and that White Hilton's not there and all of that. So I think they need to worry about Jonathan Taylor, make sure they can stop the run, and you know, certainly because Seattle's quarterback position is an issue, you're going to have to worry about if there's something to give up in the passing game there. But I don't think they should go into this game feeling scared of Carson Wentz based off anything of his recent play over the last two seasons or so.
1: All right, two more quickies. Uh, At least in my appraisal of everyone else's appraisal of who's going to do what, uh, experts around the league, uh, top NFL media guys, more people picking the Rams to to win the division than anyone else. Seahawks probably second ahead of the 49ers, but close there as well. They're defending champs, yet they're not the favorite to win it this year. How is Pete Carroll spinning this into a uh, motivational, positive thing for them?
2: Uh, I I don't know that he looks at that stuff quite that way. I think he tries to treat every game that they play as if it's the biggest thing that's coming for them. And it's it's always the motto that he's tried to preach and all that. Um, The Rams are a team that have always given Seattle six. It's funny Different teams in this division have given others fits, whether they've been better than, than them or not. Even when the Rams were not good under Jeff Fisher, they gave Seattle problems back in the day because Aaron Donald ate their lunch and Michael Brockers' night defensive line really hurt them. Yet the 49ers handled the Rams decently. So, like, there's some weird matchup issues like that across the across the division. The Rams match up very well with Seattle and have for a long time and have caused them issues, and that's going to be a tough hurdle for them to continue to get over. I, I kind of like the Rams a little bit better than Seattle too, um, but I think all three of those teams are kind of right neck and neck with the, with the Cardinals probably a set behind that. But when it comes to the Seahawks specifically, I think they probably have a wider range of possible finishing records this year than they've had in a while. I could see them win 12, 13 games if you know, some things go right for them and they stay healthy. I think they're thin at a couple positions, linebacker, wide receiver. If they had the wrong couple injuries, they might end up kind of falling off like the 49ers did. Maybe not to that degree last year, but kind of a similar sort of you're playing in a tough division, and all of a sudden you're getting railroaded a little bit from some good teams. So I think they could win seven games. I think they could win 12, 13 games. I don't know really where it's going to fall for them. Um, They're definitely talented. We'll see how well they're able to keep up with it.
1: Very interesting. Last thing, uh, first game, of course, on the road in Indianapolis, and then they come home uh, to get their home skid underway. Home games this year in Seattle, they decided you're going to need either proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to come in as a fan. How's that playing with the 12th man up there in Seattle?
2: Well, just like it is, I'm I'm sure just about everywhere there's going to be decent chunk of the population statistically a, a far larger chunk of the population that will probably be just fine with it and a very vocal somewhat smaller segment of the population that's not going to be very fond of it or, and will probably try to stay away or fake a way to get in whatever the case be one way or another so i i don't think that's too different than anywhere else it, the seahawks aren't the only one university of washington the mariners uh, washington state all of those um places to watch games this year kind of under the same Same umbrella as our other teams across the NFL, as we know, it's just kind of the reality of the current moment and and where everything's headed. And I'm not surprised that the Seahawks went that way by by any stretch. They're a team that last year didn't have a single um, positive COVID test among any of their players the entire season long. They did a fantastic job of managing it to the best of their ability. I think they're the only team in the NFL that was able to accomplish that. So uh, they had some close contacts, but none of their players tested positive by any stretch. So I think the Seahawks were inevitably going to do that, and like I said, it's going to make some people miss about it. Other people I think are going to be just fine and just be glad to be able to go back to the Seahawks team
1: camp. And something tells me the crowd will still be the 12th man uh, no matter how many people are there when the Seahawks get their season underway back at home. Great stuff, uh, Curtis. Appreciate your contribution greatly. Uh, we will certainly touch base during the season. Thanks for tonight.
2: No problem. Take care.
1: Curtis Crabtree covers the Seahawks for KJR up in Seattle, and contribute some for pro football talk. Now, there's a guy who's being honest, not just a homer, said, yeah, they can win 12 or 13 and win the division again, or they could win seven. That's uh, calling it the way you see it. I like it. Uh, how do you see it, Seahawk fans? You can get on my phones. Any fans, hit me up, 855-212-4227. Johnny Mac spending a Saturday night with you on CBS Sports Radio.